today. I hope that you're ready to learn. I hope you're ready to expand and grow. It seems like every week that we get together, you know, I, I have this I have this planned teaching all laid out, and I think about it, meditate on it all week long, and uh, just to get primed for you. And then when we get together, it seems like sometimes the Lord just takes me in a, like a whole different route, and I end up talking about a whole lot of things I didn't necessarily mean to talk about, but that's how the Spirit of God works and pulls on us. Amen? All right, we've been talking a little bit, a lot, actually, about the manifestation of the sons of God and, uh, you know, learning to, to live in a, a realm that is supernatural. I've been hitting a little bit and just dropping a few little seeds about the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews says are, are pulling for us, that are working for us, that are surrounding us and encouraging us. Uh, I've talked a little bit about angelic forces which we're going to talk more about. And, and you know, now that, you're, now that you're getting strong and stable in your walk with the Lord, I think we can talk about these things without us getting flaky, all right? There was a day, you know, back in the charismatic days, I don't think we could talk too much about this stuff, although some did, but it ended up creating people that were strange, very strange people, flaky people. We don't, we don't need flaky. I think when the Spirit of God builds a son or a daughter... When you begin to be as Jesus is in this present world, Jesus wasn't weird. Jesus wasn't strange. He wasn't flaky at all. He was different. He was in the world and he wasn't of the world. Religion, uh, religion didn't like what he had to say, but he was not a, a weirdo, okay? So our, our days of, of being weirdos, of uh, people coming into our services and shaking their head and saying, this is absolute crazy, and us palming it off and saying, well, you know, it's like the book of Acts where they said they were drunk with new wine and they were acting. No, we, we need to be strong, stable, secure people. We should be the most ethical people of our word as sons and daughters of God that manifest. When we say we're going to do something, we need to do it. We need to do it when we say we'll do it. Uh, if you, you know, that's just part of character building. That's part of character building. You say, well, I have trouble with some of that. It's just not my personality. Keep changing your personality. He, he's going to use, you probably don't know what your personality is. You, some of you have no idea who you really are. You are who, you, who your mama and your daddy told you you were. You're who the school teacher told you were, or the preacher down at the church told you you were. You haven't yet discovered who you really are. And I'll tell you, there's not any of us that are strange people. <laughs> we, we, are, we are stable and strong, ethical people of our world, all right? I don't know why I said all that. That was for somebody today, because it has nothing to do with what I want to teach on. I want to, I want to start teaching on, on the kingdom that you and I live in. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 18. And this is kind of a follow-up a little bit to last week when we were, when we were talking about uh, cutting bonds, uh, soulish ties and relationships that we have with people, uh, that the people that brought us to this point in our spiritual development may well not be the people that God brings into our life to take us to the next step. I've had, I've had hundreds of people come and go out of my life. And it was very difficult at first to accept that, uh, there's a sense of rejection or alienation that you feel. But when God builds a spiritual bond with you and someone, and there are people that have been, I've, I've had relationship with a long time, that it's more of a spiritual thing than a buddy-buddy soul bonding. Right? I got their back, they got my back. I know that in the spirit, even though we may not be the tightest of natural-looking friends. We don't hang out that much. We don't go to the ball game together. All those things kind of can build. I'm not saying they have to, but they can build soulish connections. That as you progress, and that person back here does not progress, they're going to try to hold you up and pull you back to where you need, need where you were before. And that's not where you need to be. You need to be where God's taking you. So God is good. God will send people into your life to send resources to help you to get... Uh, to the fullness of what Paul said God had laid hold of him with he also wanted to lay hold of. All right, let's talk about this kingdom that you and I are living in because it is a kingdom that is different in a lot of ways. And Paul recognized it over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He gives us some great advice. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, he says, We do not look at the things which are seen. We do not look at the things that are seen. Well, already some of you, your minds are on tilt. Because to you that, you go, well, how do you look at something that is not seen? He goes on to say, but we look at the things which are not seen. He's talking about spiritual perception. Last Sunday morning, I talked to you about change only comes as you see. The more you see, the more you can change. The more you see, the more you become. First John says that when Jesus is revealed, when we see him as he is, we will become exactly like him. So I said last Sunday morning, the, the problem a lot of us have not become like Jesus is because we've never been around a place that unveils him and shows us what he's really like. We've seen all these other Jesuses and distorted images of Jesus and the Father, and it has impeded us in manifesting his sons. So Paul's giving us some advice here. He says, we don't look at things that are seen, we look for things that are not seen. Here's why. Because the things that are seen are temporal. They're temporary, they're subject to change. This is why you have lived an up and down life, some of you. You live your whole life by what you see, what your body feels, what you experience. And if what your body feels or what you see, what you experience, if you've got, you know, if you got money in your pocket, you feel good. If you don't have any money in your pocket, you feel bad because you're always moved by what you see. Paul says, that's not where, where we live. That's, that's not our, our, our dimension. And there's a reason why we don't look at all the things that try to get our attention through our physical sight or through our physical eyes or through the hearing of our ears. And I'll tell you why. Because whatever you focus on, you empower. The things that you look at, the things that you listen to, and you think about them, you empower them. And when you give your attention and awareness to what you see that is, that is not good, that is negative, or you, give, or you give time to what you hear that is not good, that is negative, you, you know what you do? You empower that evil report or you empower that circumstance. And as you empower that negative circumstance, it creates fear and stress in your life. Do you know why you're stressed out this morning? I'll tell you why you're stressed out. It's because you don't know the outcome of something. You're fearful because you don't know how things are going to turn out. And you don't know how things are going to turn out because you're basing the conclusion, the unknown conclusion on what you're seeing and hearing. And so by doing that, you have empowered your visible eyes and what they see. And if you've empowered it, and it's amazing how we usually only empower the negative things. We only think about the negative things. It's not good things that wake you up in the middle of the night and keep you from sleeping. It's negative things. It's things that would create fear. And you think about it, and as you think about it, you empower it. And it gets stronger. And the more you think about it, the stronger it gets. Until you, then you have to spend time in prayer, asking a greater power to come and defeat this lesser power that in reality has power, but that you have empowered. So rather than spending time in God's presence, soaking up his love, his goodness, letting him open your eyes, you're, you're hammering all of your time down, trying to defeat self-empowered negativity with the power that is outside of yourself to come and deal with it. So that verse, he draws a distinction between two kingdoms. He draws a distinction between the kingdom we see and the kingdom we don't see, between the natural and the spiritual, between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. He draws some very strong distinctives. So if we're going to live a life as a, as a manifested son or daughter, you've got to make up your mind, you have to make a choice which kingdom you're going to live in. Are you going to live in a kingdom based on what you see, what you hear, what you touch, what you smell? Or are you going to, be, are you going to, or are you going to live your life in an unseen realm and make that your reality? Because you can't do both. You want to really get screwed up? Try to live in a kingdom of spirit and natural at the same time. 
I've been watching one of my Facebook friends, and I mean, this guy runs from one side of the road to the other. One day, he's really in love with Jesus. He's so into the things of the Spirit of God. And then the next day, he's making posts about he doesn't believe in God anymore. He's so disappointed and disillusioned. You know, he's an atheist now. And then I look at, he posts again in a few days, and he's back in love with, you know why? Because he's, he's over here living by visibility and what he's hearing, and then he wants to get pulled back into the life of the unseen kingdom and the spirit, and so he has become so bipolar in his lifestyle, and you can cut that out pretty easily if you just make a decision. And I'm asking you today, everybody in the digital cathedral, we need to make a choice today. We need to make a choice of whether we're going to live in a kingdom that we see or an unseen kingdom. I'm going to sell you today on the unseen kingdom because that is the only reality there is. Jesus, Jesus said it like this in, in John chapter 18. Let's look at a couple of scriptures from John. John chapter 18. Here's, here's what Jesus said. John chapter 18 and verse 26. John chapter 18 and verse 26. I'm sorry, verse 36. John chapter 18, verse 36. Not 26, 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus obviously already made a decision on which kingdom he was going to live in. He was not going to live in a visible kingdom. He was going to live in, in the invisible realm. My kingdom is not of this world. It's not the visible kingdom. If my kingdom were of, of this world, if it were a visible kingdom then my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from, it is not from, it does not have its basis, its root, it does not get its supply from here. So Jesus said, look, you know what, if I, if I were to live out of a natural kingdom, look, I would, get these 12, I would get these 12 guys, I've had multitudes follow me, I could put together an insurrection of power like you would not believe. I have access to unlimited power. We can borrow the swords we wanted to. I tell you what, we can wreak havoc. But he said, that's not my choice. That's not where I live from. That's not where I, that's not my domain. Then, then in John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying for us, in John chapter 17 and verse 14, Jesus prays like this. Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just like I'm not of the world. There's a great tip right there on which, which world you are to live in. So to the degree that we are living in a visible world still pulled by circumstances, sight, and hearing, to that degree we are not walking in the kingdom no matter how much you want to. It comes down to a basic choice, doesn't it? Which kingdom are you going to live in? Jesus said, I've given them your word, and they've made a choice about the kingdom they're going to live in. Now, they did vacillate. They went back and forth, in and out, till after Pentecost, when they were empowered. And you're empowered. They were empowered to finally live out of the kingdom of God. But he said, it's not going to, it's not going well for them, because I've given them the world, and they've made a decision that they're not going to live in this world. When you make that decision, it may not go well with you, with your friends. With your church, may not go well. Because most of your friends and most of the church teaching revolves around how to live successfully in this world of visibility. Verse 15, he said, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. We're not of this world any more than Jesus was. We have no trouble looking at Jesus and, and knowing he's from another dimension. God lived his life in a supernatural way. There's no problem looking at that and, 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 and knowing that's how he lived. Yet we look at our life and we want to be pulled in. We want to be sucked into that whole vortex of natural. He said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. In verse 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. That's you. That's you right there. You are in it, but you are not of it. And you are sent to it. <laughs> that was kind of complicated, wasn't it? Jesus said, they're not in the world any more than I'm in the world. Don't take them out of the world. Keep them from the evil of the world. All right? So Jesus is saying, you're in the world, 
you're not of the world. Then he says, Father, the way that you have sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Boy, that, that's a, I could do a whole series on how did the Father send Jesus into the world? Did he send Jesus into the world equipped? Did he send him in with the power shortage? Did he send him into the world with a lack of funds? No, 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 no. He said, Jesus, Jesus said, everything that the Father has, he's put in the hand of the Son. So Jesus says, the way that the Father sent me, I said, Jesus, he said, why, why aren't we experiencing it? Why aren't we living it out? I'll tell you why, because we still have connections to this world. We haven't come all the way out yet. And because we haven't come all the way out yet, we're not experiencing or we're not reaping everything that we should be. We, we, we've highly developed ourselves in looking at the unseen through the lens of the seen. We've tried to understand the unseen by knowledge. We've tried to understand the unseen by what we hear, what we perceive. And it doesn't work that way. So we, when we when we got this problem that goes on, when, when we see something and, and, and it looks like God, uh, 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 you know, isn't acting like He should be acting, then we we have to make an excuse for God because what God is doing is not matching up with what we're experiencing or what we're seeing or what we're hearing. So we have to make an excuse for God. You know, like First John, First John chapter four, verse fourteen. John says that Jesus is the Savior of the world. So when I walk in spirit, when I live in spirit, I see what he sees. I see him saving the world. His dimension is my dimension. I see the world as saved. Now people say, well, that, that's, that's just wrong. Look at the way people live. Are you telling me Hitler say, what was he part of the world? Are you, are you telling me Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer is saved? Well, was, was, was he part of the world? When you, when, you, when you look, when you believe by what you look with these two eyes or hear with these two ears, and then it, it, it looks like something isn't measuring up that, then we have to try to excuse what God says over here when he says that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Well, well, you know, that, that, that he's the Savior of, of, of all the world that believes. He's the Savior. No, that's not what it says. Says he's the savior of the world. So when you when you when you don't see with these eyes, when you see with third eye, when you see with spirit eye, then you can see like he sees. So this this is part of the transition into the kingdom of the unseen out of the seen. You have to begin to know what he has said to you, what the truth really is, and then you side with the truth no matter how it sees, no matter how it looks, no matter how it sees, no matter how it looks or how it sounds, right? Now your eyes have been opened to grace. Your eyes have been opened to the face work of the cross, true identity. So you're prepared now. And I told you last Sunday, I told you last week, that God is done moving sovereignly. He's now transferring what he has done sovereignly into the hands of the sons and the daughters, just like he put into the hands of Jesus. Now, he's prepared you for this transition. He's given you enough light and enough understanding to make the transition. And so we, we are prepared to begin this transition in our minds, in our consciousness, in our awareness, Listen, we are a transitional generation, just like there was a transitional generation that lived on both sides of the cross. There, were, there, were, there was a generation that lived before the cross, and they lived through the cross, and they were still living on the other side of the cross. This is a transitional generation. We are living in this manifested sons of God from one side to the other side. So for us, we are bridging the two together. And this is the hard generation because we have to flush our minds out. We have, to, we have to change the way we see, the way we perceive, the way we think because we're moving a generation across the Red Sea into the promise. We're, we're taking people where they need to go. And so we're the generation that scratches our head and says... But this isn't the way that I came up. This isn't what I've always thought. Well, he's prepared you to think something differently. He's moving us into the kingdom of the unseen, the, the, the realm that is above the natural. And that, that that will become, listen, that will become our reality daily. 
The unseen is going to become more real than the seen to you. We need to bridge into that. We need to walk into that. Jesus lived in and out of the supply of the unseen above natural world. He lived above the death of Lazarus. He lived above the wind and the waves. He lived above sickness and disease. Why? Because he didn't look at it. He didn't focus on it. He didn't empower it. It had no power. There is no power in those things except what we have empowered them to be. So he says, you know what? I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. And by my raising and by my co-crucifixion with you, by us dying together, being buried together, being raised again from death to life together, you now have access to the same kingdom I accessed that is the only eternal, perfect supply there is. And the supply is there before the need ever arises. Right? That's the kingdom in which God's will is, is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom where right now is flooding the earth. His kingdom is flooding the earth. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is flooding the earth. And in that dimension that is now flooding the earth, you were never sick, you were never diseased, you, you never die, you never go without, you're never broke. You never have needs of any kind. You say, well, I still have needs and I still get sick. Well, that's because the flooding is not complete yet, but it's coming. We are at least conscious and aware of something that is filling the earth and filling our lives that is transitioning this generation into what it should be. And he's placed it into our hands to make this transition. Why do you think I come over here every week, preach my little heart out to you? When at this stage of my life, I should be over in Florida with my feet up somewhere watching the waves rolling. It's because I have a burden to get this generation to where it needs to be so that the next generation, my children, my grandchildren, will not have to come through that transition but can live in its absolute fullness. Jesus manifested that life for all of us to see. Jesus manifested that life for us to live in. That dimension of life where we take the supply from the invisible and bring it into the visible. Isn't that how Jesus lived? Every, you know, Jesus did not work a nine-to-five. He worked full-time for the Father because that was what he was supposed to do. Are some of us working a nine-to-five? Absolutely. <clears throat> because that's your dimension of the kingdom. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. Don't, don't try to live out of the kingdom supply if you're supposed to be working the 9 to 5, because your kingdom supply comes from the 9 to 5. <laughs> the fishermen that Jesus recruited, their supply come from fishing. It just changed when they walked with Jesus. That unseen, where you can say, it's finished. There's nothing lacking. Even as it was for Adam in the garden, did Adam have to do additional planting in the garden? Did he? No, he didn't do anything in the garden. The garden was a fully finished work. God never sets man into any dimension, realm, or kingdom until the work is absolutely finished. There is nothing more that man can add to it. First Adam, nothing he could add to the garden. Last Adam provided us a kingdom that we can live in. Nothing can be added to it. Try as hard as you want. I, I don't care what, what hoops you want to jump through, what religious practices you want to go through. You will not add one iota to the completed kingdom. It is already a finished, it is a done work. Now, I don't want to jack you off too much this morning. I don't want to jack your mind up too bad this morning. But I'm going to tell you something. The Father is not in the business of answering requests. All the time that you're spending in prayer asking God to do this, to give you that, to provide you with this, you're wasting your time. <laughs> He's opening your eyes to what you already have and to what you need to make your focus. <clears throat> you need a new car? 
Don't be praying for a new car. He's already given you a new car. You need to open your eyes to what he's already provided. You say, well, how, how's that going to come? He'll tell you. He'll tell you. it come one of three ways. He'll do a creative miracle. You may, what would you think if you woke up one morning, looked out in your driveway, and there said a brand new Lexus? He just did a creative miracle. There's some things he does a creative miracle. He did a creative miracle when Jesus fed the multitude with the five loaves and two fish. Right? <clears throat> Sometimes he will manifest it to you by leading you to it. He led he led them to the to the fish with the gold coin in the mouth to pay the taxes. It was led to it. And there, were t- there was a third way. Now, by him leading you to it may, may, may mean you have to work a job. You have, he, may, he may hone your skills. But he'll lead you to it. Now, that's where you need to listen to him. Don't listen to your eyes. Don't listen to your ears. What you need, he will lead you to it. He's not going to answer your request. He's done answering requests. He can't, he can't do any more than he's already done. He's already made the garden and put everything in it you need. Third way is he'll have the angels bring it to you. Do you, do you remember when, when the, when the uh, ravens brought Elijah food? He thought it was the ravens. Those were angels that brought him food. They sustained him by the brook, kept him. So God will either creatively make it, lead you to it, or an angel will come and provide it for you. So what's your role in this? Your role is to get quiet, to get still, to listen to Him, and let Him direct your steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Doesn't mean you set on your blessed assurance and do nothing and fold your arms and just wait for it to show up. You listen to Him and He'll tell you what to do. That's where I find a lot of people don't like it. They want to pray and ask God to give it to them, God to do it, God to perform it, God to make it happen. God says, you, you, you need to listen to my voice. I'll lead you in all the ways you need to go. I'll tell you exactly what steps to take. I'll give you an idea of what you need to do to make it fully happen and come to pass in your life. <clears throat> but God says to you this morning, I'm done answering your requests. In fact, in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says that all the promises in, in him are yes and amen. He's already said Yes, and it's over, it's finished, amen, it's finalized. <clears throat> then over over in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, he says very specifically that he has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, what are you going to ask for that is not covered in yes and amen to every promise or life and godliness that has already been provided? He's taken total supply. Here's what he's up. He's taken total supply and he's pushed it over to your side of the table. Now your hands are at your sides. You're going, how do I, how do I reach up and get it? He'll tell you. He will inform you. If you live in the unseen, all is done. And it's working 24-7 within your life to make it so in the scene, even if you're not physically aware of it. <clears throat> now, you, you can certainly slow down the process if you don't listen to it. His sheep hear his voice. Don't tell me he's not talking to you. You sheep hear his voice. <clears throat> so you need to listen. Because the unseen, the unseen of which all your supply is going to come from, if... If you've made the decision to live in that kingdom. If you're still living over here in the seen kingdom, I don't know what to tell you. Then you're going to get it by the sweat of your brow, brow by, by logic, by good planning, you know, the way everybody else does it. I'm telling you there's a way you can live above that. The, in the unseen, God's working in the unseen 24-7 to, to produce this, to make it happen, to work for you, to lead you to it, to make it a reality. The, the, the unseen is, is more powerful than the seed. Everything that you see came from what you don't see. We, we empower what we see. And we give no power to what we can't see because we can't see it. We haven't been living out of that kingdom. The seed has presented itself as a power and we've agreed and empowered the seed. 
the unseen was the creating power of the seen. In fact, Hebrews 11.3 says that all that you see came from what you don't see. So when we start to live as manifested sons and daughters, we're, we're going to come through that, that awareness transition of what our reality really is. Is it seen or is it unseen? And embracing whichever kingdom now that we want, the seen or the unseen, it's your choice, your call, that will then become your reality. So with that, with those things in mind, that's my introduction this morning. That's my introduction. With those things in mind, I want to ask you three questions. Three big questions. Question number one is this. Do you believe God has, is, or will ever withhold anything from you? Do you believe that God has, is, or will ever withhold anything from you? The answer is no, because the Father cannot withhold from you. How do I know that? Because from John chapter 8 and verse 32, I, I know it really, first of all, because he told me. One day he told me, I was, I was before, long before we ever sold the church, I was up on the third floor in my office. I was really fretting over some stuff. I went out to set the temperature on the thermostat a little bit lower in my office. And he, he just spoke directly, told me, and said, you know what, you're never going to lack or need for any of the things that you're concerned about. He said, just set it aside, don't worry about it anymore. Now, have I had opportunities too? You bet I have. There, there are times that still I, things rise up and I say, is my supply going to run out? You know, I gotta, is it all going to be okay? But I've learned that I, I can't, it doesn't do me any good to make requests. What I need to do is open my eyes to what he's already given to me and listen to his voice about how to move toward it. Will he ever, has he ever, will he ever? Withhold anything from me? He says in, in John chapter 8 and verse 32, this is, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32. <clears throat> John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth, the truth will make you free. Jesus also told, all right, so you know the truth, the truth's going to make you free of those things. Jesus also said, in, in, uh, Paul also said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, listen to this, 8 verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The Father cannot withhold because He's already made a choice to give you, with Christ, all things. Isn't that what Paul said? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Himself for us all. How shall He not, with Jesus, also freely give us all things? All right? Look at me through your, your uh, computer this morning, through your iPhone. Look, look me right in the eye. I'll tell you something today. If he's already given you Jesus, that's as good a thing as he could ever get. All the rest of the things that he has freely given to you do not even measure up to the good thing that he gave you in Jesus. Paul said, how shall he not with Jesus freely give us all things? So if he was willing to give us the best thing, Jesus, all the other little things are not even that great. Of course, he's automatically freely given those to us. So the question, do you believe God has, is, or will ever withhold anything from you? The answer is no. In fact, in, Roma, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, it says that he causes the sun to shine on the just, the unjust. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. In the kingdom, in the unseen, what he does for one, he does fully, completely for everybody else, equally and without partiality. Now, the just in that verse was Jesus. The unjust was the rest of humanity. So the same rain that falls on Jesus falls on you. The same sun that shined on Jesus shines on you. 
The same kingdom that opened wide to Jesus is the same kingdom that opens wide to you. So raise your focus this morning. Raise what you look at. Begin to gaze at what the Father's provided you through the Son. His blessing, His healing, His freedom is for everybody. It's not just a just few, but we're going to have to come over into this kingdom of not seeing and begin to function out of there. By His fatherhood, by just the nature of being a father, He cannot withhold, freely give us all things. Paul said, Paul said, I, I perceive that God is not... In, in Acts 10.34, he said, I perceive that God is not a respecter of people. Let's agree that he's freely given. Let, let, the, let the giver be what you raise your awareness to. Your unity in spirit with him as your reality. Let that become your reality. All right, question number two. Do you believe God could give you what you need, but right now has chosen not to give it to you? He could do it, but he's chosen not to. Do you believe that? The answer is no. No. We're not I'm not talking about the things the flesh wants. I'm not talking about three months ago when I was in Florida sitting in the Publix grocery, grocery parking lot. My wife went in to pick up a few things in the grocery store. So I said, I don't want to go in the grocery store. I'll just sit out here and wait. Any of you guys ever do that? So I'm sitting there, man, and in Sarasota, Florida, on Longboat Key, in pulls this Bentley two-door convertible. Beautiful car. Beautiful car. That you know, I don't see too many of those around my neighborhood. I looked at that Bentley and I go, that, that car should be driven by a son of God, namely me. <laughs> that's my car. That's, that's, I like that a lot. I'm not talking about the Bentley convertible I saw in Florida that had my name on it. I almost went over and spit on it, put my DNA on it, but I thought I better know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that pertain to life and godliness. Things that, that we always worry about, you know, getting by. Je Jesus tried and tried and tried to get us to look past those things. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus said, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Stop worrying about your life. Get you off of your hands and put you onto his hands. Man, that makes it so that makes it so much better when you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you something you don't want to hear. Take no thought for your life. I'm not on my hands. I'm on his hands. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on your body. He said, life's a whole lot more than food and body and clothing. He said, look at the birds of the air. You know the story. They, they don't do anything yet. God takes care of them. And here you are worrying about these things. Consider the lilies of the field. They grow. They don't grow. They don't do anything. He said, yet he takes great care of them. Then he goes on in verse 30 and says, If God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, don't you think he's going to make sure you've got something to wear, you of little faith? Therefore, or the conclusion of the matter is this, do not worry. Now, if you're going to live in the seen kingdom, if you made the decision at the start of the teaching this morning, say, well, I think I'll stay with the seen kingdom, then you're going to worry. <clears throat> But if you move over to the unseen kingdom, then the conclusion is, don't worry saying, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear? For all these things, the Gentiles, or those that live by what they see, they seek and they worry about, they're always pressing for. Your Father knows and Heaven knows you need all of these things. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. That's what I've been telling you. Snip everything off, take care of everything that influences and pulls you out of that kingdom. And all these things that you're so worried about will be added to you. That's what Jesus is all about. All right? I've heard, I've heard people say this. Well, you know, God's delays are not God's denials. That feeds this idea that God has a shifting sand agenda based on what you do or don't do. That's not what his agenda is based on. Everything that God will ever provide is already stored within the garden, already in the kingdom. And the kingdom is fully resident within you. You don't have to press into the things of God. Doesn't that make you feel good? I don't have to press. I pressed and pressed and pressed. 
press into the things of God. You don't have to birth what God is doing because He's already birthed it and done it. You, you don't need a breakthrough because Jesus has already broken through. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you one more question. One more question. Do, do you know why God gets all the glory and all this stuff we're talking about? you know why He gets all the glory from your life and your manifestation as a son and providing you all the... Do you know why He gets all the glory for it? Because He's done all of the work, all of the heavy lifting, and you get all the benefits. Such a deal. Such a deal. All right, question number three. Do you think you can do certain things to influence or change God's mind? Do you think you can do certain things to influence or change God's mind? Answer is no. If you still have that outer court thinking that if I could just do, then God would answer. If I could just get enough people on Facebook, if I just put on all my Facebook friends, pray for this, or to fast, or to fight the devil enough. Listen, spend all your time in awareness of the problem just creates a stronger problem. When you spend all of your time in awareness of the problem, you uh, pers- you, per- you persevere or preserve an evil or, or put up a religious tradition as having power that has no power. Those are the things that combat our thinking and our receiving is thinking that if we could just do something, the right thing, we could influence God's acting and God's thinking. How about, I'll tell you what, here's the, here's the work you have to do, enter his rest. How about if we just enter his rest? That's, that's our total labor. How about if we just meditate on our oneness with him? How about if we just feed on the lamb and drink the wine and serve it to other people? Now, those three questions, if you answered yes to any of those three questions, if when I, the first reaction is, do you believe God has, is, or will ever withhold anything from you? And you said yes. Or do you believe God could give you what you need, but right now he's chosen not to give it to you? You said yes. Or if you think that you could do certain things to influence or change God's mind, you said yes. If you answered yes to any of those three questions, then perhaps I need to say a word about in the last few minutes I have, about what supply really is. If you said yes, it indicates you don't know what you really need. In John chapter 15, the first eight verses, Jesus tells us a parable of the vine and the branches. Great parable. Great truth going on there. The food that you eat, the money that you spent this week are all supply. They're, they're, I'm sorry, they're not supply. The money you spent, the food you ate, they're not your supply. You know, the, what they were, the money you spent, the food you ate, was the fruit of the supply. The fruit of the supply. Supply is invisible. You can't see the work of the vine to the branch to produce the fruit. The problem with most of us is we don't think we have supply until it's visible, until it's here in a tangible realm. So we think we're lacking supply. No, supply is invisible. In that parable in John chapter 15, is the grapevine the supply? Yes. Is the branch that bears the grapes the supply? No. You eat the grapes, you make the juice, but the supply is always at work to supply to the branch what it needs so that it can bear the fruit. But the fruit is not the supply. What hangs on the branches is the fruit of the supply. The supply, listen... Let me say it again. The supply is at work within you 24-7. The vine is preparing 24-7 the total supply that it needs to give to the branches to bear the fruit. The work is not done in the branches. The work is done in the vine. It is actually the vine that is the supply. What hangs on the branches is the fruit of the supply. The money that I have in my pocket is not my supply. This is the fruit of the supply. 
The supply is at work within me 24-7, even when I don't feel it, when I don't see it, when I don't recognize it. It's at work within me to produce the fruit. So when I'm saying I need fruit, I'm asking the wrong thing. What I need to do is to generate supply. I need to come into consciousness and awareness of the supply that is working within me. See, we, we follow and the fruit, the manifestation, the tangible results begin to appear in our life. The, 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 I'll, I'll tell you how the supply works. The supply is invisible. It comes in the form of the Holy Spirit leading. It comes in the form of the Holy Spirit directing, guiding, and speaking, prompting you. And then you respond to the leading, the directing, the guiding, the speaking, and the prompting. That's how the supply is generated. You're resting in Him. You're being still in His presence. You're meditating on your on His It's realizing that you're one spirit with the Lord. It waters the roots. It fertilizes and prepares the ground for a good harvest. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is in the invisible supply that is working within you to get the fruit to show on the branches of your life. Am I making sense? It's our awareness, it's our consciousness that creates the flow from the vine to the branches. This produces a peace that enables us to be free from stress and worry. Did you notice we never say the fruit of the branches? We always say the fruit of the vine. Because the vine is the source, the supply of the fruit. So when you see someone that is being blessed, you're not seeing the supply in their house or their car or whatever. What you're seeing is the, the, the tangible fruit that has come from the supply. And they've been able to tap the supply. So let me just say this in, 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 in conclusion. Worry comes from not knowing the result. Worry comes from pondering, I'm not seeing the fruit on the branches. And we stress out about that. When we, when we worry that we're not seeing the fruit on the branches, we have just left the realm of the invisible. And we're not seeing the reality of the source, the supply that is working within us to produce what it is that we need. When you live and you move and you have your very being in the vine, and the vine knows the end from the beginning, he has supplied all of your need to get you, to get you safely and to successfully to where you need to be. So all we do like the branches, all we do like branches is just be aware and focus on the invisible supply of his leading, his directing, his speaking, and then we respond and we bear the tangible fruit of that intangible supply. You cannot see his leading. You cannot see his directing. You cannot hear with your physical ear the voice that speaks. Invisible supply. But when you put legs to it, when you put boots on the ground, you respond. You're now manifesting in the visible what has come to you from the invisible. I can look back on my life and everything that I have needed, that I have worked it this way, I can honestly tell you it has worked well. There have been times that I thought I was the supply. I had to make it happen. I had to generate it. And it's those times that I produced Ishmael's and heartaches and problems. And then I had to ask God to come bail me out. You know what? Sometimes he didn't bail me out. He just said, you need to learn, son, where the supply is. You need to learn to let me lead, direct, guide, and speak to you. And then you just respond to what I say. Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about changing our reality by changing our perception. Changing our perception from visible to invisible. Moving our place of concentration from visible to invisible. 
How, how does a renewed mind look as it transitions? And I'm done. I'll just drop you this final thought. How does a renewed mind look as it transitions from seen to unseen? Or as Paul said, here's the key. Here's how we transition. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is not stepping out into a, a, a cloud that can't support you. Faith is a supreme confidence in the one who promised having the ability to also accomplish. So when you receive something by faith, you're already in that invisible kingdom. You're in that invisible realm. And you have confidence that the supply he's, he's leading you to, he's speaking to you about it, and now you're responding to it, that it will produce what he said it will produce. That's what faith is. Faith is believing that what he told you will actually come to pass and it will produce what he said it will produce. We walk by that and not by sight. All right? So we're making a decision this morning at the Digital Cathedral, which kingdom we're going to live in. And as we make a, a conscious choice to move to an invisible kingdom, it opens up an entirely new realm and dimension for our living. That's going to take some adjusting, I understand it. It's going to take some, some ups and downs, I understand it. It's going to take some failures and some successes, I understand that. But to your focus, you need to, as Paul said, you need to press forward and let go of what is behind and get your focus set. I'm seeking the kingdom first, and as he shows you, cut that tie, cut that relationship, cut that off. You cut it off, and you keep responding to what he's told you. All right, we just scratched the surface. We'll keep going in this, because this is your day to manifest. This is your day, son, daughter, that the sovereign God is saying, okay, I'm placing into your hands now the work of the kingdom. I've revealed enough to you to take some steps. Stay in touch with me, become aware of our oneness in spirit, and move as I direct you. Fair enough? <clears throat> All right, God bless you. Thank you for being with me today. We'll continue, we'll pick this up, and we'll keep moving out into some deeper waters. As I promised you, we'll do it. God bless. See you next Sunday morning. We thank you for being with us today on the Digital Cathedral. We trust that today's teaching helped you in your journey to the abundant life Jesus has freely given to all. If you would like to help support us in spreading the gospel of grace, you can do so by going to donkeithley.com to make your donation. We thank you for your prayers and continued monthly support and look forward to seeing you again next week at the Digital Cathedral.